All right, uh, our associate pastor has now turned into our youth pastor, and he is out of here. So if you're in the youth group and you'd like to join him, go on, uh, head out. Thanks for worshiping together. Uh, love you all, love you all, bless you today. Uh, does this ever happen to you guys? Um, you're watching TV, or maybe you're looking at the internet or something, and you see something totally cool, like, like this parkour person, like barely escaped death, or they're like walking on the edge, and then what do you do immediately? For me, I immediately am like, babe, come here, you got to see this, right? Whenever I see something cool, uh, I, I call my wife over to check it out, or, or, or maybe you've been wandering around and you saw like a swarm of ants on a lizard, Right? What's the first thing you do when you see that to your friend? You're like, yo, you got to definitely check this out. Or if you've ever had a baby and your baby had one of those like worst diarrhea days ever. And so for me, like, you know, it's everywhere. It comes out the sides. It's down the back. It's down the back. The onesies. I don't handle that alone. I'm immediately like, honey, come check this out. Cause look what we got. We got a huge one here, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like crazy diarrhea di- diaper, right? Uh, maybe like if you've ever picked up your teenager's sock, I don't know if you guys have done this, you picked up your teen, teen sock and you smelled it and you're like, oh my gosh, babe, you got to smell this, right? Immediately you want, you want someone to share that smell with you, even though it's horrible, right? But you immediately ask your wife or whoever's around to come check this out or like, don't you do that? You taste it. It's terrible. You're like, oh, oh, this is gross. Try it. <laughs> well, right away we say that. Why? Because life is better together. We love to share things. Last week, we looked at two ideas of, of, about being together, better together. The first was that God has eternally been in a together relationship. It's called the Trinity. The Father's like, hey, Holy Spirit, smell this. You know, like, I don't know. Sorry, God. If that's, like, if that's blasphemy, I don't know. If the, if, the, if the Father's like, hey, you know, check this out. I don't know. But, but um, So the, the, whole, the, the uh, Trinity has been in a together relationship forever, and it's been it's, it's been amazing. The second thing we learned was that God invites us into this like supernatural transcendent relationship with him. He actually asks us to, to have him in us and us in him. Like it, with Jesus, the Spirit, the Father, we saw all of that. So he invites us into this supernatural relationship that's a together forever. Once we're into that relationship, you never get out. You get to be with God forever and ever once you have access to that relationship. Now, today I'd like to look at the idea that the Trinity relationship is, in fact, a model for our interpersonal relationships uh, here on this planet, both with our significant other, like your husband or your wife, but also with all of the other people in our lives, all our friends and our coworkers and that sort of stuff. So, so the, using the Trinity as a model of what our relationships ought to look like. Uh, people don't function well alone. They don't function well isolated. Living out without togetherness, it's never good. Uh, without others, uh, it's always bad. We see it clearly in Genesis. Uh, God creates the heavens and earth, and he does all this kind of stuff. And in Genesis 1, he sees everything that he's made, and he says, he declares that it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the sixth day. But we discover when we read the second chapter of Genesis that, that it had to become very good. There was, a, there was one piece that was not very good in creation. And we look at it and we discover as God elaborates it in Genesis chapter 2, he says this about it. Uh, there was a problem that needed to get fixed. He said, the Lord God said, there's one thing that's not good here in all of the creation that I've done. He said, it is not good that man was alone. So God created man, uh, Adam, but he wasn't around yet on that, on that uh, sixth day. And God's like, whoa. Had some animals go by him and they're like, Adam's like, these are not the right, like, thing for me, you know? Like, I'm looking for something a little bit more than, than just a, a pet friend, God. I'm looking for, like, a, a friend friend, if you know what I'm saying. 
And so God's like, oh, okay, let me provide it. This is the one thing that isn't good, that this man doesn't have relationship. This man doesn't have another person that he can connect with. This, this man is alone. And that was in all of the creation, stars, universe, mosquitoes, scorpions, snakes. God's like, fine, they're fine. <laughs> and you're like, those aren't good. Because says, those are all good. The one thing that's not good is that Adam's alone. And so God makes a suitable helper. So it wasn't good for him to be alone. And I'll tell you, neither it is, is it for us to be alone. We need together. Now, some of us, we need more together than other people. Like Pastor Jimmy was just confessing. Like Pastor Jimmy, he can't get enough of together. Like he can do together all of the time. And so we need lots of better together relationships. But his poor dear wife, Frances, she needs a little bit less better together relationships. She needs like two better together relationships in her whole life, you know. And so some of you, it doesn't matter the quantity of better together relationships because everybody has different quantities. We're not talking about that. But all of us need at least one better together. And if you're an extreme introvert, that's all you need is just one better together. And if they are two, then you're like, boom, we're good. I'll call you two every two weeks and we're wonderful, you know, like something like that. And so some of us, uh, uh, we need fewer than others. M- many parents, especially those of you who have young toddlers, you're saying, better together, I would give $100 if I could just be alone for a day, right? <laughs> if you have little kids, I will pay. If, if I, I would love to have nobody. I would, on an island myself. Um, and so I'm not talking about that, times where you need to be alone, uh, because life is over. I'm not talking about that either. I am talking about connection to others, filling our intrinsic need for relationship. The quantity is different for each of us, but the truth is that all of our souls uh, need filling relationships with, with other people. We were created this way because God's this way. We are made in God's image. Genesis, again, proclaims that so God made uh, mankind in his image. Male and female, he made them uh, in his image. Since God has eternally been in community, we too need community. First with him, talking about last week, but also with other people. In the Trinity, God models what community ought to look like for us. We just need to mirror that relationship uh, between the persons of the Trinity in our relationships with other people because we're, we're in his image. So we, to do it rightly, we just look at him and see how he's doing it, and then, okay, that's how relationship should work. There's this really great example in the Bible involving uh, King David. Uh, Before he was king, he was still Simba. He just couldn't wait to be king, right? Uh, And his friend Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to sing it, but I I chickened out right there. Uh, Well, now I might, so you watch yourself, boy. Uh, So... uh, and it, there's this really cool part about David and his, uh, this guy, Jonathan, who's the kind of son of the uh, current king at the time, Saul. And, and here's how, how Samuel describes these guys' relationship. Samuel writes the book of Samuel. He's a, he's a prophet. And he writes this. He said, as soon as uh, uh, he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan uh, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him like he loved his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and he wouldn't let him go back to his dad's house. That's talking about David. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him like his own soul. And here's this person. He's like, dude, this is my guy. We Like, oh, man. And there's this deep connection that isn't just, hey, what's up? And hey, go on your way. Or hey, I don't know about you. There was a soul connection that was happening. And if you read a few chapters around these guys, you're going to notice a powerful bond of friendship that they have. 
um, even even above their familial relationships, even above like, uh, hey, I, Jonathan says, hey, David, I know God called you to be the king, even though Jonathan's the prince. He's next in line. And he's like, I know God called you to be king, and I know that that's going to happen. And man, that's a, that's a good friend who's going to get, he, you're going to take his position as the king over the entire country. And he said, I know you're going to do that, and I support you, and I love you, and I'm behind you. It's incredible. The, the love between those persons, it really does mirror the Trinity, looking out for each other, putting the other first, showing genuine love. The people that you will be better together with will be those who are also mirroring the Trinity. This goes for our relationships both with our soulmate, like our husband or our wife, or our soulmates, like in the Australian sense. So like, hey, mates, you know, like, so, so both with, with, yeah, I coined that. You could hashtag if you're young or something, if that's still a thing, I don't even know. Uh, so both in our friendships and our, in our married relationships. And so as we're talking about it, I want you to think back and forth between both of them. Some of you aren't married, and so that's fine. But, but if you are, I want to think of, in terms of our marriage relationships. But also I want it to think of it in terms of our friendships and other connections to people. Now, you don't have to be Christian to experience this. Everybody is created in God's image. Mankind was. Uh, so it isn't just Christians that need to experience relationship. It's baked into the DNA of all persons. It's, in, it's part of our being. However, to experience it in fullness, you must be in Christ yourself and they in Christ also. Because if you can't, you, you're never going to get the fullness if you're both not connected to the Trinity. Remember, we're talking about last week's stuff. If you don't have that Trinity relationship, that relationship with God, and they don't have it, then there's not going to be the proper connection that God is looking for, for really soul-satisfying in a way that will be truly fulfilling internally. A relationship can't rightly mirror the Trinity unless first connected to the Trinity, united intimately, indwelt by the persons of the Trinity themselves. Uh, That's why in Corinthians, Paul says, uh, like, don't team up or don't be yoked with or or don't connect up, soul connect up with uh, those who are unbelievers. He says it in 2 Corinthians. Because how can righteous be a partner, partner with wickedness? And, and how can light and dark dwell together? They can't. And so that's, what, that's why we, we say, like, yes, you have a relationship and friendships with persons, but the soul connect can't happen because you're on different places if one person's not connected to God and one is. And so both persons better be in a better together relationship they have to be in order to imitate the Trinity. So last week, uh, I asked my wife if she remembered. I said, last week I, I walked through five characteristics within the Trinity about their relationship. And she's like, yeah, I didn't get that part. And I was like, dang it. And so uh, there's a slide. Here's a slide. We're gonna, I'm just going to, you can read that. The fifth one got cut off. But, uh, and then we're going to go over it. Because what I want to do from last week is these were five characteristics that we saw in the Trinity uh, within the members of the Trinity but as a mirror and as a blueprint for how we ought to do relationships. And so I'm going to spend the rest of the time this morning just really talking about like how, how these five principles that we see from the Trinity's relationship, how they can be put into our life relationship to rightly mirror the Trinity. So let's walk through those principles together and just really uh, figure out how to build healthy relationships with other human beings. So the first one is like uh, each person moves in love to seek the good of the other two. So now I have this on a single slide there. If we could pull that up, Susan, the next one. So uh, each person uh, seeks uh, and moves in, in life for the good of the other two. We see that in the Trinity relationship. Like Jesus prays and then he teaches us to pray, Our Father who, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth that is in heaven. So here's the second person of the Trinity, the Son, saying, hey, what, what I want to do is do what you want, Father. I want to do what's best for the Father. I want to build the Father. I want to exalt the Father. I want to point back to the Father. He wants to do what's best for the other persons of the Trinity. So our better together happens uh, when our love begins to desire what's best for the other person, whether it's our friend or our spouse, to desire to bring good things for them, to, di- to, de- to de- desire to say, like, uh, what do they need? What do they want? What will build them up best? So some example of that is, like, we need to become cheerleaders of our friends or our spouse in public. Like, one of the best ways to seek the good in your relationship is to speak well about them. Like, uh, especially when you're talking to other people and, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard, like, they were, someone's talking about you and you accidentally overheard it, but they were saying something nice. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but that's really powerful. And that's really, <laughs> Mark's saying no. <laughs> Aw. Well, Mark's fantastic. He was playing one-legged on the bass, you know, like, that's commitment. Come on. So bless you, brother. So talking good about him in public. See, that feels kind of good, right? Like, it's always nice when someone says nice things about you in public and they're speaking well of you. Like, that's always good. That's never a bad thing. So maybe we should start to do that. Like, uh, if your friend really loves Krispy Kremes, right? Like, who doesn't? <laughs> your friend really loves Krispy Kremes and you drive and, and for no reason you get them a box and you bring it back and you give them a box of Krispy Kremes, that's seeking the good of that person. Now, it may not be good for their weight, but it's good for their soul, right? And so maybe it's just something so small as that. Now, it doesn't always have to be cosmic, right? You're not always jumping in front of a bullet for your friends. Like, that just happens once, and then that's it. You don't get to do that one twice. Unless you survive, I guess, then you could do it another time. But, but really, like, it's all about little things. Men, maybe, maybe your wife really needs you to read Scripture with her at night before you go to bed. Like, not teach her, because she doesn't need you to tell her what the Bible means, Right? She really doesn't want you to tell her what the Bible means. I promise she doesn't want you to tell her what the Bible means. But she might really like if you just said, hey, babe, let's read some scripture together. Woo! And then you could do other marriage stuff after. That's probably a great segue for that. If you're single, don't worry what any of that means. Don't worry about it. Because it's not, it's not what... Uh, we're keeping in mind it's not always what you want. It's looking out for the good of the other person, always asking what would be really good for my wife? What would really build her up or my husband or my friend? How could I just really, how could I really just be like, yeah, yeah, you. Bless you, build you, be good to you. So that leads us to our second point, which is talking about humility. So each person within the Trinity humbles himself, giving himself even to the point of grief or loss, so that the other two could be glorified. Like, you can't help but to be reminded of Jesus praying the night of his betrayal. He's sitting there praying right before he's going to get betrayed, and then he's going to go get crucified. And he's aching, and he's crying, and he's sweating, and he's praying. And he's saying, please, Father, if there's any other way in all of existence of the universe, other than to go to the cross, let's do that way. And again, he says, but not what I want, but what you want. And ultimately, Jesus takes grief and he takes loss upon himself so that the Father and the Spirit could be glorified. 
The cross was in no way enjoyable or good for Jesus except for the result part. He, he took it. He took it for the team, you know. He said, oh. in the universe, Father, is there any other way? And if there's not, I'll take it for the team. And he ate it. He took all of the sin of all the human beings, all the brokenness that we brought upon ourselves so that God, the Father, and God, the Spirit could be glorified. In our human relationships, we have to seek to exalt Now, not glorify, because only God gets glorified, but we've got to seek to exalt other persons, even at the detriment of ourselves, even if it costs us something. Relationships have amazing benefits, but they have costs. Being better together means that we've got to be willing to sacrifice ourselves, our wants, our desires, so that the other person will be better off. I've noticed, like, Uh, in some people's lives for the sake of um, her spouse, like a woman will work a really lousy job so he can finish college and get his master's and then get his doctorate and do his dream job. I've seen that more than once. That's that's powerful. Willing to sacrifice and work this crappy job so so he could fulfill his dream. Or I've seen uh, uh, people give up this like really great job so that they could be with their children. Man, great job, children. Sorry, kids, I love you. We're going with a great job. (laughs) My my wife gave up her job to be with the kids. Bless you, wife. Because I'm with the kids for an hour and I am over it. I'm going back to my great job. Forget the kids. It cost her something. Men, like it may be that God asks you to sacrifice your pride a little bit and go and apologize to your wife. It's a little bit of a sacrifice, even though you know you're right. (laughs) Irrelevant. (laughs) Who's right is not relevant. (laughs) Maybe you sacrifice a little bit of your pride. Maybe, uh, wives, maybe you sacrifice a little bit of your independence so that your husband could lead in the relationship, even if you think he's going down the wrong way. (laughs) We're going that way? Are you sure, babe? Maybe you have to sacrifice a little bit of that independence for him to be empowered as a man of God. Like it could be as simple as, it doesn't have to be all big like that. It could be as simple as like letting your friend pick the movie. Like, you know, you're always picking the movie. Like, how about you go see what they want? But I don't want to see that one. Why whine and complain? Why not go see the one that they want to see? It's just a tiny little sacrifice. Or like go on a jog with them, even when you don't really like jogging, (laughs) right? Fine, I'll go on a jog with you. But don't do it begrudgingly. Say, yeah, let's do it. Let's go on a jog. It may cost a little bit, sacrifice a little bit. That's how the Trinity does. So that's how we ought to do. The third principle we saw about the Trinity was each communicates honestly and openly with the others. Like how many relationships fail because of this exact point? Now, my wife and I, we've been talking about this actually for several weeks. And, and, and we're trying to say, like, it's not that, that we lie. We never lie to one another. And so that would just be like a basic thing, like you don't lie to your, your people that are near you. But, but it might even be more than that. It might be even you're open more. And, and I think there's a difference. Uh, so if I don't tell her I went somewhere, that's not a lie. I just didn't share it, right? But I think there's parts of us, and my wife and I have been talking about it, there's, there's parts of us maybe we're not that open with each other about. Like even now, we've been married almost, you know, 17 years. 
And, and are there parts where, like, I'm just not comfortable really saying that, and so we just kind of avoid those parts of her. You know, I'm not comfortable talking about this issue or that issue, and so maybe we just don't. And so without honest and open communication where, where there's really sort of no hidden parts, then relationship is going to break down. But I think we're afraid to be honest. We're afraid to be open because then that inherently means that we're going to be vulnerable and we could be hurt. And we can be hurt by them. And do we really trust them enough to not hurt us? And so it takes this really sort of um, faith and trust. And we'll get into our four, fourth point in just a second. But, but we've got to be open with other, others. Maybe, it, maybe it's time for you to approach like a friend about a sensitive topic. Maybe it's time to approach a friend about a sin issue. You, say, you need to say, hey, friend, like I've noticed this thing about your behavior and how you treat women or how you talk about uh, life or I've noticed this, and, and I just wanted out of love to, to, to just say, like, hey, maybe, maybe we could pray through it. Maybe we could work on it together. Like, just have this honest and open communication. And you, is your marriage marked by openness with your feelings um, toward one another, like even in sensitive areas? Are you open with, like, uh, how you feel? And not just the details of it, but how do you feel about the finances? How do you feel about the spending of the other person? Are you, are you open with, like, uh, your sexual intimacy in your marriage relationship. Like, that's a really weird one to, like, talk about. Even though you're married for 20 years, you're like, there's still this part that we haven't even figured out, and we're kind of not open to it. And are, are we open to talking about the in-laws and how they get treated? Are we open to having this open and honest dialogue with one another? Communication, it's not easy as it seems it should be, right? It should be easy to communicate, but it's never easy. It always takes time, and we always have to get better at it, and, and it takes time to listen. It takes time to become open to one another, and, it, and there's a bit of faith and trust in that other person that you have to step out and, and, and have to consciously and intentionally, intentionally lower your own defenses so that you can actually hear, not just be heard. And so I think that God wants us to have that open and honest communication as the Trinity within the Trinity, and he does. But I think the fourth principle is necessary, though, in order to have that. And that's to say that uh, each operates with complete confidence that is trust with the others. And each is himself faithful. So within the Trinity, the, the Son is always faithful to the Father. He never betrays him. He never hurts the confidence. He's always trustworthy. So, so not only is he trustworthy, but he trusts in a worthy matter. And so I think we have to have both those kind of parts. And, and this is a hard part in relationships because people aren't always trustworthy, right? Like, I, I'm not always trustworthy. Maybe, maybe I'm going to make a mistake. But nothing will destroy a relationship faster than betrayal, uh, betrayal of trust. Whether it's marital unfaithfulness uh, or talking bad about a friend behind their back. Like, those will always destroy relationship. The best relationships operate in trust and that requires both parties to be trustworthy. We need to either be, but maybe we're not. We either, either need to be or we need to become people who are faithful to our spouse and to our friends. Like you can't be in a better together relationship unless you have it. So in marriage, like we really want to ruthlessly protect our faithfulness to one another, especially like in, in our sexual area. Like affairs, they, they will destroy your, your marriage. So you've got to really just ruthlessly protect it. Like, 
not flirting with fire, not, not flirting with anybody, right? Not avoiding questionable situations. Is it okay to be out late after a work meeting with my coworker who is this uh, attractive young person and we're out having drinks for, for the company? Probably not. You've got to avoid that kind of questionable situation. That would probably not be a situation that garners trust and faithfulness from your spouse, right? And so maybe we need to protect ourselves a little bit, not allowing ourselves to be in a place where temptation can triumph in that marriage relationship, it's especially in the, in the area of infidelity. Has anyone ever had a, something, you shared something in confidence with your friend? They said, hey, between you and me. And later on you found out that they told everybody about it. Like that immediately, that, that betrayal just destroys relationships. You can't ever go back. You're not going to trust that person again. I mean, maybe after a long time and many years and lots of tears. But, but that betrayal of trust, that unfaithfulness, that kind of um, lack of being trustworthy is a surefire way to destroy relationship. And so we need to either be or become people who are trustworthy um, for ourselves and act in trustworthy manners. So I can be trusted and I need to trust the other person. But both parties have to have it at the same time. And so that's something maybe we need to work on, just being really careful about being faithful with our relationship and becoming people who are trustworthy, that my wife can rely on me, that I am not looking around. I'm not making a questionable decision. I'm not putting myself in a position that would look compromising. And I've got to become a person who she can trust with that. And I would say that for my wife and I, I think that we're in kind of that place now. But we're really careful about it. Every time, it, I'll tell you women, if you ever email me, my wife sees all of them. If I've ever texted you, I, I either try to text you, that's why I add your husband's name on it, and we group text it, or I get a text from you immediately. That's cool because we have to do church business sometimes. I want to tell you, I always show my wife. I will not hold a confidence away from my wife, from any of our females. And I'm sorry if that hurts ministry a little, but I'm willing to sacrifice ministry a little for the sake of my marriage. Okay, so if you want to be in pure, pure confidence, just call her because I'm going to show her anyway. So <laughs> if it's about her, go talk to her. Don't talk to me, <laughs> right? And so either way, you're getting over to her anyway. Um, if it's just like, hey, we're doing this and there's a program kind of detail, I want you to know I show my wife every time anybody here texts me. Why? Because I don't trust you? No, I don't trust me. I, I love God too much to, to sacrifice it on this mistake that so many pastors make. And I'm not naive to say that that's beyond me or reality. That happens all the time. So I'm not doing it. And it's not. It's because I love you. And I love the ministry that God wants to do through me here. And so I'm really careful to guard that. And it's out of love for you and respect for my wife and love for my relationship with God. And so don't feel bad that I'm sharing, sharing my whatever text you get. It, it always is going to happen. Uh, in love. And so we've really got to put ourselves in place where we can say, yes, we are trustworthy and we are faithful. And then in the relationships, that's, that's an important component. And the last one, I think, is uh, each rejoices and delights in the other. I think this is really important, especially if you've been married for a long time. Maybe you've lost a bit of this. <laughs> Have you bought, lost any bit of the, in your marriage relationship or you've been a friend with someone for a really long time? You forget to rejoice over them. You forget to be like, 
yeah, this is so great being your friend. This is so awesome. I love being your friend. I love being married to you. Woo, let's go ditch the kids and uh, get a babysitter. Ditch the kids and go do something. Or if they're older, you just ditch the kids, right? You're just like, hey. You know, sometimes I think Yuli and Arjun go somewhere and, like, their kids don't even know. And we're like, hey, is your mom having a good time in Mammoth? And, and Ryan's like, she's in Mammoth? And we're like, oh, yeah, never mind then. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> so they, they're living the dream right there. They rejoice in delight. And that's fantastic, right? No jealousy, no envy, just looking for good in the other person, delighting in just being together. Like, you don't even have to do something. Just, just delight hanging out with someone, having a connection with a friend, embracing the differences. Like, they're so weird, but so are you, right? Embrace, that's so fun. Like, oh, my gosh, look at you're so strange, right? That, high-five it. And they're like, I don't even want to high-five it. Will you fist bump it? No, you're even weirder by doing that. So, but embrace that. It's okay. You know, delight in those differences. Celebrate uniqueness. Rejoice in their successes. Your friend does something great, then rejoice and celebrate in it. More importantly, just celebrate them as human beings. Because sometimes we don't do great things. Sometimes we're just sort of lame and normal. But they are amazing because they're a human being and they're your friend or they're your spouse. For all the work that goes into being better better together, there's this great benefit uh, of genuine joy and delight. When your wife comes over and she smells that diaper and like, oh, that's so much fun, right? But when she comes and she can't, like, uh, I was like, hey, babe, check out Gordon Hayward's injury, because I was thinking about Mark's injury, and it came up on the, and I was like, look, babe, and you don't tell her what's going to happen, so she thinks she's watching basketball, and then all of a sudden, he breaks his leg, and she's like, oh, I hate you, and I'm like, yes, I know. So she's got to uh, embrace that. I give you permission to say nice things to people. You can say nice things to your friends. Like, we live in a culture of put-downs. So maybe it's time to do the opposite. Say something kind every day to your friend or your spouse. Like, do we, I've been married 17, 20 years, 25 years, however long you've been married. Do you say kind things every day to your spouse? Like, it's definitely going to sound really uh, awkward and cheesy at first, right? So if you go up to your friend and you're like, hey, I think you're rad. Like, they're going to be like, what is wrong with you? And that is so awkward, right? Or if you're like, hey, babe. You're a really nice woman. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is like, why are you so awkward, right? Like, well, because I don't do it well, okay? I don't practice it enough to be natural at it. And that's probably a problem. If you can't say something nice without feeling awkward, that means you suck at saying nice things. So don't give up on it, but practice, right? Practice makes... So continue to say nice things to people. Build it into your vocabulary until it starts to sound natural. Like, I often tell my male friends, and this is a sort of a weird part about me, I often tell my male friends that I love them. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, I do it. And the first few times that I decided to consciously do it, I was like, men don't tell men that they love them in a really good way, positive way very much. And so I decided to, to proactively do it. And the first time I started to say it like, hey, Steve Kim, you guys know Steve Kim. He was a tattooed guy who came two years ago at the retreat. Uh, he was one of my first, he's one of my longest friends. So he's one of the first person I started with. And we were talking, talking, and he's like, okay, bye, bye, I love you. And he's like, eh. <laughs> hang up, hello, hello. And he didn't even say it back. That's so rude, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so at first it was really awkward. And I felt really awkward saying that. I was like, oh, that was so weird. And then I 
say it over and over and over and over and over. And now I say it probably too much. Sometimes I almost say it to like telemarketer people. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, service was great. Okay, bye. Love you. Sorry. <laughs> you know, so I say it all the time. And it was, it's really fun now because now that I'm comfortable with it and they're not, it's, it's great joy. You, you go tell your male friend or your male, like at the end of your conversation, okay, bye, love you, brother. And they're like, oh. And then I love that they're uncomfortable. It makes me happy. It's sort of some fun thing for me. But, but say some positive stuff. Build into people's life. Now, I'll tell you, Pastor Steve Kim, all the time now, he's like, okay, yeah, I love you too, bro. Like, it, he, it flows now right out. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't even think it's weird anymore. And I don't know. I, I'm going to ask him if he's starting to do that to other people, <laughs> if he says that to people. Because when I say it to him and back, it, there's, no, there's no awkwardness. There's no weirdness at all. So um, I've only said it to a few people at the church. It's been 18 months. But uh, you can expect to hear that coming out a little bit, a little bit more. So we need to delight in our friends. Like, they're precious, our friends are. Our spouses, they're precious, and they're for eternity. You may not be married in eternity, but you're together in eternity, and your relationship will be even better than his here. The friend relationships that you have started or that we've begun here at the church or at school or wherever they are, those are eternal relationships if they know the Lord. You are never escaping them. Like even at this church, if there's someone who has animosity in this church with, go talk to them because you're spending forever with them like Sandlot style forever. You will be forever with them, so you might as well start to get along with them and share goodness and love them and delight in them. See, if we mirror the Trinity in our own relationships, how much, how much better will those relationships be? And how much more true will it be when we say the statement that we are better together? So, you guys, you've got to be here next week as we finish this uh, series. We're going to look to our left and we're going to look to our right. We're going to figure out how to do that as a community a little bit better. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good. Oh, you're perfect. Like, good is an understatement. Thanks for being a plurality and a trinity that I don't even really understand, but I know that there's three persons that is one God and that you've had relationship and you do relationship perfectly and that I can look at that and figure out how to do relationships with people better. Thanks that you are that example for me, God. Thank you for loving me despite my flaws, loving us despite our flaws. And because of that, help us to love people despite their flaws. Despite the fact that we are imperfect, help us to love other people. Help us to put these principles into our lives. Would you join me and just pray over this for a minute? Pray over how you want to be as a friend, how you want to be as a spouse. Don't you want to be in a better together relationship? And then would you join me as we respond in song after praying for just a minute over this?